Well, good morning to you, those of you that are up this early, <laughs> and um, welcome to episode number two of our Bible Bites, as we just perhaps give a little bit of um, devotional commentary on some of the scriptures as we're reading through the Bible. And uh, today I'm reading in Genesis chapter four and five, and there'll be some others that I'll be reading also, but in Genesis 4 and 5, I wanted to make a few comments about this for you to consider this day. And I hope, I hope that you are reading through the Bible yourself and reading it every day. Read something in the scriptures every day. So today as I'm reading in Genesis 4 and 5 again, and I'll be reading also about the flood in just a little bit in Noah, but the comments that I thought about this morning that I really wanted to bring out, in 4 and 5, we have a lot of the history of the family of Adam and Eve and what happened with them and the sons and daughters that they bore and uh, the children and how the children turned out and those types of things. And sometimes we tend to want to bypass genealogies in the scriptures. And sometimes there are really things that are important in those genealogies that we need to understand. Um, I know the Jews um, are very high priority on genealogies and those types of things because they prove lineage, they prove the different tribes, and um, for instance, if someone's from the Levit Levitical tribe, um, then they can serve as priests and Levites and other things like that. So the genealogies are important in many ways. But the comments that I had this morning in regard to the family of Adam and Eve are a couple of things. First of all, we learned that the first, um, the first uh, sons that Adam and Eve bore, good morning to you as you join in, the first sons that Adam and Eve bore were Cain and Abel. And we know, most of us know the story about Cain and Abel and how they both offered something to the Lord. And the Lord respected, the, the New King James says, respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Abel had brought um, of the flock, Abel was a shepherd, and he had brought of the flock, and Cain was a tiller of the ground, or a gardener, a farmer, and he had brought from fruit and, and produce from the ground. And sometimes we may think that it was the difference in the offerings, and it could be, we're not told specifically from Scripture. We do know that later on in the Old Testament Torah, in the law, we are there were commandments and we are told of grain offerings, of offerings that come from the produce of the ground. So we don't know for sure if it was the actual offering. If Cain was attempting to short-circuit God's requirement for the shedding of blood to cover sin, then his offering itself was bad as well as his heart attitude. And that's why God could not accept it because we are told later that it is only by the shedding of blood that there is any remission of sin. So if this was an offering for sin and Cain was attempting to short circuit that, 
then that's why it would have been rejected. However, if it was just an offering, perhaps a thank offering or something of the, to the Lord, we, we don't know the type of offering that it was. And so that could have possibly been an acceptable offering. However, what the point of what I'm getting to, I believe, is that God saw the heart attitude. He saw down deep inside the heart of both Abel and of Cain. And he knew that whatever Cain's offering was, whether it was in, in itself an acceptable offering or not, Cain's heart was not right. And God looks at the heart. He's already told us later on in when he comes to Samuel and he tells him to go and anoint the king. He makes it clear that God's not looking on the outward. He's looking at what's in the heart. So whether it was an acceptable offering or not, the offering itself I'm speaking of, the heart of Cain was wrong. And God would not allow Cain, he could not allow Cain to come before him with that type of an attitude and with a rebellious heart. We're told later in Leviticus, I believe it is, that any that approach God, he must be regarded as holy. So regardless of the offering Cain brought, his heart attitude was in rebellion to God. He was not respecting God's holiness. He was not honoring God with that offering, and so therefore it was not received. Well, Cain killed his brother. We know about that. We know that God went to him and said, are you, you know, where is Abel, your brother? He talked to him about how Abel's brother is crying out from the ground for vengeance against Cain because he has been slaughtered um, innocently. He was, he was slaughtered falsely. And so God sets a mark on Cain and he sends him forward. And then next we read about the completion and the continuation of the ungodly line through Cain, even to the point that Lamech comes up and he tries to boast that, oh, if Cain was uh, avenged sevenfold, then I'll be avenged 77-fold. I mean, he's making these boasts uh, against the Lord. So we see the continuation and the intensifying of the wicked line that came through Cain. And that becomes clear when we get into the story of Noah and the judgment that had to be poured out on the earth through the flood because of the wickedness of mankind. But the good news is that we also see in Genesis 5, in the latter part of chapter 4 and in chapter 5, the line that God preserved of a godly line because he was intent on fulfilling Genesis 3.15, where he promised that there would be a coming Messiah, a seed of the woman that would save the earth, that would destroy the wicked one, the devil, and that would overcome sin and save us from our sins. And so we see in Genesis 5 the preservation of that godly line. And the point that I want to bring out, and this is what I'm hoping that you will experience more and more, and I will experience more and more in 2020, and that is this godly line, spending time in fellowship with God. We, we read about all the names of these people, and we see even the gospel in their very names, and I'll get to that in a moment. But we see how um, in Seth's day, you know, we have Seth coming along, and then we have the history of his sons. And it tells us that 
in just a, a few uh, generations down, it says that that was when they began to call upon the name of the Lord. And that doesn't mean that they hadn't prayed to God prior to that or believed in God prior to that. What that's talking about is that they began then to promote the gospel, the, the good news of God. They began to promote godliness in the earth. They began to preach about it and publicly proclaim it in those days. And so then we see, we go on and we read about the other sons and, and daughters that the godly line had. And we come down to Enoch. And this is the most beautiful point of all to me, is how Enoch had a personal, growing, thriving relationship with God. It tells us here that in, in verse 21 of chapter 5, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and it had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. That was the first rapture, if you will, in the scripture. God just took him to heaven straight on. Praise God. And he had such a close relationship with God. Imagine that, that he walked with God every day, 300 years, it tells us. How beautiful to walk in close relationship with God all the time. And the beauty of that for us is that there was a baby born that we just celebrated the birth of at Christmas time. And that baby, his name is called Emmanuel, God with us. That's the whole desire of God. That's the purpose he created Adam and Eve. That's the purpose he made mankind. And that's the purpose he made you and I, is to have a relationship with him, to do life together and to walk with him. And I pray that you will experience that more and more and more in 2020 than you've ever experienced before in your life. So that is my prayer for you. And the last point I'll make is that the first 10 generations of the godly line through Adam and through Seth, if you will look at, the, at their names, what their names mean, it's beautiful how God wrote the gospel in those first 10 generations between Adam and Noah. And you can find it if you want to look it up. Uh, Chuck Missler has um, uh, an article about this. I believe it's called Gospel in Genesis or something like that. Um, but you can find that online if you want to. But it's beautiful to look at their names because when you translate the names of the first 10 godly generations from Adam, the reading says, man has appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God will come down and his death will bring the despairing rest and comfort. Hallelujah. And that's the gospel message. The blessed God did come down in the form of Jesus, the Son of God, who came and walked on this earth. And his death brings all who will believe in him eternal life and rest, peace with God, and blessings abundantly. So I pray you experience those and you have a thriving, growing relationship with him in 2020. 
In Jesus' name, God, may you honor your word and bring this to pass for everyone who will hear this message. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day and enjoy reading the scriptures this year. In Jesus' name, bless you.